All right, guys, we're here. We're doing this. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Josh. Uh, if you've never seen me before, count yourself blessed. Just kidding. See, if this was, if I was preaching in front of a, of a crowd, everyone would be laughing. And if I had enough time, I would have put a laugh track together for the sermon because that would probably help me calm down a little bit. Um, it's really great to be here. And I know that we're not actually here physically. Um, but I do have a sense that God is here and he's binding our hearts together. Uh, and thankfully the Holy Spirit is not limited by, um, technology or limited by distance, things like that. So, um, there are a couple things that I probably need to get out of the way right off the top. Um, the production team here has given me a list of things I'm not supposed to do, and I'm pretty sure I will do all of them. So maybe I should just get them out of the way right now. So I'm just gonna like shift in my seat and <coughs> cough and change my position. Um, and I'm also gonna look at the monitor right now because there's a huge monitor. I just need to get out of the way. Just look at myself. Yep, okay, I'm all right. So hopefully that helps, hopefully it helps. But um, anyways, um, this has been quite a, quite a wild week for me in a lot of ways. Uh, I've had a lot of ups and downs. Uh, it feels like more downs um, than ups. And they're kind of coming at me from a bunch of different directions. Um, work has been a whole different beast since everything happened with COVID. My business has definitely been impacted. Um, there have been staffing, really, really difficult staffing decisions I've had to make, which have been really weighing on my heart a lot. There've been some relational issues in my life I've had to deal with. Um, I'm obviously, we're not getting out of the house, uh, the family and I, nearly as much as we used to or we'd like to. And to be honest, um, my marriage is kind of starting to feel this feel the strain. I almost said feel the sprain, which would, prob would probably work as well. Um, you know, Sarah and I are still having a good time together for the most part, but we find there's extra tension we have to cut through and marital intimacy isn't nearly as easy or often as it used to be. And it's one of these things where we're having to figure this out and it's difficult and it's really hard. Um, and I'm finding myself struggling with feeling lonely. Um, I'm finding myself struggling with feeling overwhelmed. Um, and I'm finding that there's levels of fear and there's levels of doubt cropping up uh, in my life that I've not really had to deal with with this level of consistency. Sometimes, you know, I experience fear over a specific thing. It'll kind of rise up and then it'll kind of like, you know, kind of smooth itself out. But I've been struggling with a lot of stuff at a much higher, more consistent level. And um, I haven't been responding really well. Um, a lot of the things that I would usually go to right away for support or to remind me of what's true just aren't possible. They're not available anymore. Um, you know, I can't, I can't go and hang out with some friends or get, have a fire with people and come over and like pour my heart out in person. You know, that I, I have, I can't have that sense of like being known you know, and being pursued and being valued. Like those are really deep questions in my heart that I am constantly trying to answer. And so much of you guys and our community and, and being together on a Sunday or between the week, like I'm not realizing how much 
that was answering a deep question I was craving until now when it's kind of been removed. Um, and I feel like it's taken me, you know, I think about the two and a half years that we've been in social, social isolation. I feel like it's taken me about that long. But it's like, wow, man, I really miss you guys a lot. There's definitely like a hole in my life. Um, and I was thinking even this morning, getting ready for preaching, um, you know, it's my process uh, was so different. Like I'm sitting at a couch, staring at a camera, not staring at the monitor. Um, you know, Ross is there, but I only see the top, you know, section of his head. Um, and it's just not the same. You know, if, if this was a Sunday morning, I would like look, look out and I'd probably see Robin and Deanne and their family over there. And I'd probably see the Gilberts around there. And I look over here and I'd see my wife looking at me from like, you know, a blend of smoldering desire and admiration. Um, and I'd probably see someone's kids crawling under the chairs. They'd probably be mine, even though we're sitting over here, my kids are probably over there. And guys, I miss that so, so much. Um, and I miss being able to hang out, you know? I don't think I've ever told, um, I never told Barry Hummel this. And even though he might be watching, I still feel like he's, he, I still feel like I'm admitting something that he won't find out about. So I'll just let myself believe that. But whenever I get a hug from Barry Hummel, like he's bigger than me and he just, and it's rare for me to find someone who's a bit larger than me. And I just, just want to melt. And I kind of, I'm going to regret that this is being recorded. I kind of wish he would just scoop me up and hold me in his arms. Anyways, I miss that stuff. Um, and I'm feeling these pressures and like, it's like, I'm in this spot where I'm like, this is like, this is not fun. Like, this is like mostly not fun with like spikes of this is okay. It's like mostly that. And it's like on one side, I'm seeing my responses to everything and I'm seeing how my, uh, increasing, you know, episodes of me retreating into, you know, whatever, you know, the different different types of retreat strategies that I have. So there's on one side, I'm seeing myself just like kind of just retreating and, and I'm seeing the flesh just being far more active in my life. And on the other side, I'm, I'm feeling this sense of like, I'm not enough. I need to do more. If I was, um, if I was a, a better, you know, business leader, I'll be doing these things. I wouldn't have had to let people go. Uh, if I was a better husband, then my marriage wouldn't be struggling a little bit. If I was a better father, then I wouldn't be seeing, you know, anxiety and just developing in my children. And so I've kind of got this, like this intense messaging on one side. And then on the other side, I'm just kind of like getting a little bit grossed out by what I'm seeing. And it's like, oh, and I also have to preach. And so I'm like, I'm thinking about all this stuff. I'm like, okay, God, well, like, what, are, what do you have for me? Cause like, this has been kind of rough. Um, and then just this, someone said a verse to me uh, and I couldn't remember where it was from. So I Googled it and it was in Colossians two. And I was like, oh, this might be a great verse to preach from. So I started reading this verse in Colossians two. I actually can't remember what it was anymore. Um, and I was like, you know, I should probably just read the whole book of Colossians um, just to get context. Because that's a good thing to do as a, if, you're, if you're preaching, you know, get context. It's one of those words you throw out just to, you know, assure people that you kind of know what you're doing as a preacher. It's just a, it's a trick of the trade. So, um, so I was like, I just read through the whole book for context. And I got hung up pretty quick, pretty early on 
Um, and we're going to kind of unpack a little bit of this, and uh, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna be digging into Colossians. Is that Colossians one? And we're gonna hang out like the first half of Colossians one today. And the more that I read Colossians one, and the more that I dug into it and started doing some research on the history of this church and on the history of of what they were struggling with, I saw some like very startling. Um, I was going to say coincidences. Uh, they're not coincidences, obviously. Like some very star- startling, very striking resemblances to my experience and what I think a lot of us are going through today. But before we do that, I'm going to pray for you as much as for me. Uh, but I'm going to pray and we're going to um, just remind ourselves that God is with us in the midst of all the craziness right now. But Father, thank you. Thank you that you are here with me on this couch. Thank you for that. Um, thank you that you are with all of us. Thank you for everybody who's watching. Um, and regardless of the craziness of their house, regardless of how much the attention, attention they can actually direct to this, you know, wonderful talk that I'm giving. Um, thank you that you're here and whatever, you know, you have for people to hear, they will hear it. And it might be just one sentence, probably a lot more. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff that you've given me, God. But um, thank you that you're here. We can trust you. We can rely on you. Um, Amen. So before we dig into this, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Colossians themselves. So the Colossian church uh, was from a city called Colossae. And it was a fairly small city. And it's in in what we today call Turkey. Um, So, uh, And the book of Colossians was a letter written to this church uh, by Paul. Now, Paul never actually got to visit the Colossian church. And he actually never met them. The Colossian church was started by a good friend of Paul's name, uh, Epiphras or Epaphras, depending on how you like to read obscure Bible names. Um, and uh, Epiphras had visited Paul while he was in uh, under house arrest. And Epaphras, um, who actually was from Colossae himself, had sort of told Paul about this church that he'd started. And he was like super proud of them, but he was also a little nervous. He was like saying, there's a lot of stuff going on in this church and I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about it. And um, I don't know specifically if uh, Epaphras asked Paul to write the letter. I don't know for sure. Um, but one thing that we do know for sure is that um, Paul decided that this is something God wants me to do. I need to write a letter to this to this church. Um, and so this group of believers uh, from Colossae needed a letter from Paul. And so the question that comes to my mind is like, well, why did they need the letter from Paul? And, you know, that, that question, uh, as you kind of dig into the entire book, um, you start to see that the Colossian church was kind of stuck, kind of caught um, kind of between a rock and a hard place or like kind of in a spot where there's a, a cultural collision happening and they were right in the very middle of it. And on one side of the cultural collision, they have um, Jewish traditionalists. Um, and these are people that be- uh, believed that believers, that Christians should um, eat according to the Jewish dietary restrictions. They believed that believers... Uh, that, that the Colossian Christians should be observing the Jewish holy days. They believed that the Colossian Christians should be undergoing some of the traditional Jewish rites um, that were happening. And, they, and so there's a lot of pressure on the Colossian church from that side. But then on the other side, there's the 
kind of the Greek culture, uh, like a lot more like morally progressive, like a, a lot more kind of like liberal. And so there's like a, a, a moral or immoral pressure on the church. But as well, um, another big part of the Greek culture was um, their polytheism. So the term is like mystical polytheism. And what was very common in those days was that, you know, you would have, you know, there's the Greek gods and every house, you know, might have one or two gods that they specifically like to focus on and specifically like to, you know, revere a little bit above the others. And so the Greek uh, culture, the message that was coming to the Colossian church from them was like, hey, listen, you know, Jesus Jesus is just like another one of the deities, you know? So yeah, you can love Jesus and you can serve him. But yeah, don't forget about, you know, Aphrodite because, you know, she's kind of a goddess of like romance and sex. And that's an important part. So don't forget about that. You know, don't forget about, um, there's, you know, other godly, you might've had a god um, of, oh crap, the guy, he holds like the, the, the stick with the, 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 um, the snakes around it. You see like the device on like medical. I can't remember. Anyways, there's like gods for all a whole bunch of different things. Um, and so for them, the, the message from them was like, okay, Jesus is great, but don't forget about these other guys. Right. Um, and so there's these two opposing messages that the Colossian church was really struggling with. And the, and I think what Epiphras was really nervous about was he was starting to see the Colossian church starting to sort of like say yes to different things. It's starting to compromise. And what was happening is like the purity of their faith was beginning to be corroded and is beginning to be eroded. Um, and, and Epiphras was very concerned about that. Um, the church was losing its, excuse me, the church was losing its bearings. Um, you know, the Colossian church was, wasn't really sure what to believe. And so Paul wrote a letter to them specifically about this. And as I was kind of preparing for the sermon, I was like, man, if I could sit down at a campfire with Paul, the Apostle Paul, and I'm like, okay, I get one shot here. He's going to pray for me. And, and I know that whatever Paul prays, uh, the answer to that is going to be yes. From God's going to say yes. So what is that one thing that I'm going to ask Paul to pray for for me? You know, just think of that. Maybe, maybe in the comments, um, answer that, you know, throw in your, throw in your response to that, to that question. What is, what's the one thing that you would want the apostle Paul to pray for knowing that God would say yes to it? What is that thing? Um, so let's keep that question in your mind. And I'm going to start reading, um, reading from Colossians here. So uh, this is from the new American standard. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epiphras, our fellow bondservant, beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. He also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray. Okay, here's... Here's what Paul decides is the number one most important thing that he should be praying for this church 
Okay, this is, this is Paul's prayer for them, the one thing. We have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. So um, we're going to jump back to, I think it's verse uh, nine, where we hear of like, this is what Paul has decided is the most important thing for believers uh, in this church of Colossae. Um, he has also informed us, I'm just going to pull up my notes here. For this, uh, he says, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So I stopped reading at that point and I had alarm bells going off my head and I was a little bit panicky because I was wondering, like, okay, I believe that, you know, I believe in grace and I believe that what I do is no longer has an impact on my standing with Christ. And as I was reading through this, the statement like, you know, Paul wants the believers to know God's will. Right away, I was having flashbacks. I was start, I was really starting to struggle because grow for me growing up, I grew up in like a, a very strong, um, a very strong kind of Christian heritage um, a lot of, of legalism and a lot of, um, do this, do this, respect the leaders. Don't question a lot of that. I know there's a lot of people coming from, uh, coming from that perspective as well. And so for me hearing, knowing God's will, uh, that I read that as, you know, I, Paul saying, I pray that you know what God wants you to do. So you don't disappoint him. So I pray that he knows, I pray that God tells you what to do and that you're able to hear what God wants you to do so you don't mess up um, that, you know, so it, and it was really, really tough for me to wrap my mind around that. Um, it was very difficult and my default flesh programming kicked into mind, kicked into, uh, kicked into play here. And it was like, as I was reading this, I suddenly reverted back to the way I used to be and the way I used to think and the way I used to think about myself. And suddenly I was no longer Josh, the son of God. I was Josh, a servant of God, constantly being evaluated by my master. And God's will for me was God's to-do list, uh, his itinerary for my life, you know, you need to be here at this time, say the right thing to that person so this thing happens in their life. And if you don't, you're in big trouble. Um, and rest, you know, contentment, fulfillment, that thing that I just desperately crave. Rest was on the other side of getting the good work done. That's the perspective that just flew into my mind. And I think that that's actually super common. Um, I can think back to being in college and the number one stressor in my life was like, what is God's will for my life? It's like, 
oh God, what courses do you want me to sign up for? Oh God, like, you know, is this the girl that you want me to marry? Like, who do you want me to marry? It's like, oh God, like, like, what do you want me to do for work? Or, oh God, what do you want? And it's like, it's not bad to ask God for, for those things. Not at all. But the problem was happening was like, I was like desperately reaching um, out of a place of um, out of a conviction and a belief that there was something wrong with me. And if I could just figure out what God wanted to do, wanted me to do, and if I could just do that thing, then that would solve the root problem. Okay, great, I'm okay. And now I can relax. Now I can just kind of ease and like stop working so hard. And there was this um, this sort of progression of thought that was that I had. So you know, the first progress, the first place is like I am not okay right now. I'm not okay on my own, um, and. I need to figure out who's in charge of assigning me my status. I have to figure out what do they want and I have to figure out how do I give them what they want so they will give me okay status so that I can actually earn and deserve that okay stamp of approval so because finally then I can relax. So basically do stuff, get right, and then rest. That's the progression. And all of that, just like flooded, like zoom, like flooded into my mind as I was reading, you know, verse uh, verse nine there um, of what, what Paul's saying. Actually, so um, do you want to pull that up again there, there Ross? So uh, he's, yeah, enforced for your love in the spirit. For this reason, we have not ceased to pray for you, to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual with wisdom and understanding. So I realized where I realized where my mind was going. My brain was being hijacked and my thinking was being hijacked. And I, and I realized I was like, hang on, God, this is not what this verse is saying. I know it's not. So like, Father, like, show me what this is. Like, show me what you have. And there's a few things that stood out to me right away. So the first one was actually what comes right after um, the knowledge of his will. So this is actually in verse 10. And it says, you know, Paul wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There's a couple things in there that stood out to me. So the first thing was the phrase worthy of the Lord. We want to walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. And my old programming is like, oh, that means that you need to make sure that you're behaving in a way that's going to honor God. Because if you're not behaving in that way, then you're not walking in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. And I was like, that feels right on a deep primal level, but it also feels really wrong. So it puts me back in that place, it puts me back in that spot of shame and guilt. And I'm like, I know if I've learned anything that guilt and shame are not from God. And I kind of, as praying, like, Father, what, is, what are you saying here? And he says, you know, walking in a manner that's worthy. It's being worthy of the one of Christ who erased our sin. He reconciled to us. Like, he reconciled himself to us. That means that he permanently fixed my standing. He permanently fixed my status with him. So I don't have to try to achieve that you're okay stamp. So walking worthy of the Lord does not mean groveling, you know, scraping together, you know, my best behavior um, and offering it to God. That is not what that's saying. Like that behavior, like that effort of like scraping together the best of myself, like that's behavior that's worthy of being, you know, an un unforgiven and an unreconciled wretch, you know? And I'm like, 
Like that's borderline insulting. Like, is it even borderline? Like, or is that, is that actually insulting to what Christ did for me on the cross? Like, it's just, <laughs> I think about, you know, someone wanting to show me love and affection and doing something that just, it, it, it hits all the right spots. And I'm like, I feel so valued and so loved. So thank you for that. And so, you know what? I just need to, I need to pay you for that. And I don't have my wallet on me. So I'm going to search and like, okay, I find some pocket lint and oh, there's a, there's a, a thumbtack. I don't, that's a terrible thing to have in your pocket. So I wouldn't be a thumbtack. Paperclip maybe. And maybe it's like a gas receipt. I'm like, you know what? Here, thank you so much for what you did here. This is for you. It's like, honestly, like walking worthy of the Lord is like, is, is walking in a way that acknowledges just the beauty and the incredible sacrifice and like, like the, the earth-shaking significance of what God did, of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And, it's, and the best thing I can possibly do is like completely reject all the old things, all the old ways of managing my flesh, all the old ways of, of uh, trying to make myself feel better. And so for me, as I'm like, as I was reading through this section, like all suddenly it's like, I saw my own experience in that week. And I looked at how on one side, I've got these, this, this pressure to be better, to do more. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, that's the same message that the Colossian church was struggling with. It's like, prove your loyalty to Jesus. Prove your devote. Prove, oh boy, this must be a good sermon because I'm getting emotional. <laughs> prove your devotion to him. Like, prove your love for him. Like, what? What you're doing isn't enough. You know, prove, prove that you love him enough. Like, that's what that messaging is on that one side. Be a better dad. Be a better husband. Like, prove yourself. And on the other side, I'm like, I'm not a good, I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good husband. I've got, like, all these other issues. I'm like, Jesus isn't really enough for me. Like, that's the messaging I'm hearing in my head. It's like, Jesus is great. Like, God forgiven. That's awesome. You're going to heaven for sure. He's a deity. You should love him and worship him. But when it comes to issues of like marriage and sex, yeah, go go to this, go to this God. Go to this, um, this set of tactics that you've used to, to manipulate your wife. And when, and if you want to like have your, your kids um, and you want to have them, you want to have them behave a certain way, like, Pull out the shame and the fear and the guilt because that'll get results. Like Jesus, he's good in some areas, but if you want to get real traction in other areas, like you got to go somewhere else. Like that's the messaging. And that's what the Colossian church was, was struggling with. And Paul is saying, listen, like guys, don't like, you got to focus on knowing God's will in walking in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. And the, the way that's worthy of the Lord is saying, Jesus, I'm struggling right now with knowing that you're enough for me. Like, I can't get, I, I can't get Barry Hummel hugs right now. Um, I can't, you know, give Marco a hug and kiss him on the cheek or on the, or on the forehead, the top of his head. You know, I can't, I can't have, you know, Jim Ham come and rub me in sh my shoulders and, and pray for me. Uh, you know, I, like, those are all things that, like, I just crave so much. And I can't have that right now. I'm like, Jesus, can you replace a hug? Like, like I've been asking that my whole life, like, or my, this whole, like, all week. Like, like are you enough for that? Like, are you enough for, um, like, can you replace intimacy in a marriage when it's not 
what, what I wish it was. Like, are you enough for me there? And I feel like that's what this whole time in our life, like that's a huge, huge question. And Paul's desperate prayer, and also the kind of prayer that God never says no to. Like, like why would God say no to this? Like, he is absolutely going to um, give us his will. But his will is not a list of demands, a to-do list you got to check off, you know? There's no better feeling than checking off something off a to-do list. Like, I know I have a vice president in my company. Her name's Amy. And she assigns me to-dos, and it feels so good to click it off to say, done. Like, that feels so great. There's something about the, the human condition where we just long for that. And so we want God to tell us, do this, do this, do this, and then you're good. But that's not right, like, at all. Um, there's, I mean, later on in verse 10, you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Two important words, bearing and increasing. And Ross, if you can jump back up to, to verse five for a second for everyone to see. Okay. Um, oh, not verse five. I'm wrong. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, no, Sorry, verse six, my bad. Um, see, you know, if Robin was preaching, he would, he wouldn't, he doesn't make mistakes like this. He's super solid. Okay, so um, verse six here, the talk, Paul's talking about the gospel. You know, he's saying, you know, the, he's talking about the, the, the church and how he's heard great things about them. And it says, the gospel which has come to you. Interesting, the gospel is, is, is the action. The gospel has come to you. As in all the world also, it, the gospel, is constantly, here's those two words again, bearing fruit and increasing. The action is not you are bearing fruit and you are increasing. No, the gospel is bearing fruit and the gospel is increasing. So we slide back down to verse 10. You will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Who's doing that? Is that me doing that? Absolutely not. That is the gospel. That is Christ in me who's having that effect. So God's will is not for me to start going and do, 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 achieve, 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 check, check, check. That's not what God's will is for me right now. Now, does that mean that there aren't, that the word do is out of the equation? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, you know, under the old way of living, my the, the fleshly way of living, it's do the right stuff so you can get right, so you can finally relax. However, what the gospel offers is get made right, and then you can rest and you can relax. And then the doing comes after that. So there is definitely, there are definitely actions. There are definitely things to do. And God will give you things to do, but it's not do this now, or you're going to your room for a timeout, or do this now, or this bad thing's gonna to happen to you. It's, hey, let's hang out and let's go do this thing for this person. Let's, let's go love them, let's go do this. Let's, let's do this together. And if you don't want to, that's fine, but I can promise you, Josh, that if you do do this, you're gonna experience something special with me and, that, and that's really what I'm after here. I wanna do something special with you. Do comes after the rest. You're made right first. 
and you can rest as a result of that. And then the action comes and follows that. Um, we are at quarter two, so I'm going to be having to skip a bunch of my notes here. Um, we're going to be having communion, communion in just a couple minutes. Uh, and before that, what I want to really hammer home is that the Colossian church was struggling, caught between legalism, a life of doing, achieving God's itinerary in order to get the, get the you made it stamp, struggling with legalism and practical polytheism. Polytheism, many gods. Practical polytheism. And I'm there too. Josh, you're missing the mark here, here, here. Do this, do this, do this, and then you will achieve standing. That's a lie. On the other side, Josh, Jesus is enough for you here, but if you want to have success in your marriage, in your parenting, in your business, you kind of got to go off the board and pull in influences from other places. Those other places come from a bazillion different areas. I mean, my Instagram feed is full of really positive uh, or ads from like super positive business owners saying, I grew my business like this crazy much with these five or six secrets. And if you swipe up, I'll give this to you. And you go through and it's like, oh my gosh, maybe I can have that and this and the other thing. I'm like, and those things aren't bad in of themselves. But what's going on in my mind is, Jesus isn't enough for me. I need to go off board. I need to go to this God. I need to go to this God. I need to go to this God. Like, I am the church in Colossians. Um, I think a lot of us are the church in Colossians. And God's will for us is not a list of things that we have to do. God's will for us is that we know who we are in Christ. His will for us is that we know who Jesus is. And his will for us is that we know what Jesus did. And anything less than that, anything other than that is a compromise. And then you've taken the gospel and it's no longer the gospel. You've taken grace and it's no longer grace. And I would love to stand here and say, and I've finally figured it out. And so this week has been a week of victory. And it's been a week of, like, I'm worthy of admiration. Like, I just, I wish I could say that I've done all this stuff really well. But the reality is, is that I've not done it well. Um, I've really struggled with it. And something else that God's whispered into my heart is, like, he desires maturity for me. And he desires a relationship with me. And he desires for me to have a relationship with him where I am secure in that. I'm secure in, um, in my belief about what he thinks about me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close and put the notes down. I'm going to close with a really quick um, illustration. And there was something that I was, I was kind of thinking about, you know, Jesus, I feel like I know what you did. And Jesus, I feel like you know, I know who you are. Like, you're the son of God. Like, you died on the cross. Like, you did all these things. Like, you raised me back. And I'm like, and I know that you've made me right, righteous, and I'm reconciled to you. It's like, and I know that, but why do I still struggle? And why do I still have doubts? And like this really quick little illustration sort of like flipped into my brain. It was like, God was like, well, it's kind of like being given a house and saying, okay, 
you know, and, and you're, and you know the address of the house, like you know that about the house on paper, you might know it's square footage and you might know the address and you might know, you know, the type of house that is and how large the lot is. And that's kind of like me knowing on paper what God did for me. You know, he, he, you know, died as me. I was raised again, like all these things. Like I, I can list off this list of statistics. What he really longs to do for each one of us is to like, let me give you a tour of this home. And it's like, let me show you how a child of God, let me show you what their bathroom looks like. And it is like huge. There's like a massive shower and like the floor never gets dirty. And like the little edges around the toilet, you never find grunge there. Like there's never like dust bunnies high in there. Like, and this is the bathroom that a child of God has. And, and it's like, and in my head, I'm like, but God, that's not like, that's not what I deserve. Like, I don't, I like, I, I, that's not the kind of, uh, that's not the, the kind of kitchen or the kind of bathroom or the kind of bedroom that like a, um, like some, like a wretch struggles with. And God's like, well, you're not a wretch. And like, and let me show you in this practical, in this practical way, in this practical area of struggle in your life, let me show you how what I did on the cross, how all those pa details on paper, how they actually cascade into your life. Because that's where you get to know what I did for you personally. Like the stuff on the stats on paper, like those are true. But what will change your life is when you, God begins to reveal to you what he did for you in those little tiny areas that you're afraid to talk about and that you're afraid to show. It's like that security, the security in your relationship with God that you're craving that comes when you invite him in to those areas of your house that you don't show anybody. And like, it's this little area here, like this little mess or this huge mess. Um, like when you let God in and you let him interact with you and talk, and talk with you about those spots of your life, like that's where the real strength of that relationship with God is developed. And that's what maturity is. When maturity comes when you invite God into the mess, into the vile crap of your life, that you're not, that you're not, you're afraid to talk with, talk with anyone. And you invite him in and then you say, God, can we talk about this? And he's like, well, you don't say anything. You let me talk to you about this. It's so like inviting him in. Um, and that's where what God did on the cross becomes even more real and explosively life-changing. That's, that's why the gospel in your life bears fruit and brings increase. Like that's what that's all about. Um, and that's what communion is about. Like that's what like, the reminder of communion is like, you know, we take the bread, which represents Christ, you know, represents his body. And, and we eat that bread. And it's a reminder, like this is Christ in me. And I don't have to go somewhere. I don't have to go off the, go off the, off the board to find a real useful. <laughs> I don't want to say the word application. It's like that, like, I don't have to go off the board to find something that will change my life in this area or that area. Like it's Jesus in every area. Like you don't need any other gods. There's like no other gods required. And you know, I drink, I drink the wine and it's his blood. It's the forgiveness of sins. Um, all that, that stuff I'm like kind of grosses me out. I look at the way that I sometimes treat my kids and the way I like manipulate my wife in the way that I, and it just, 
It just is gross and it's vile. And Jesus' blood reminds me that <laughs> that's gone. Like it, it never existed. Like it's, it's over. And I say, God, I'm so ashamed about these things. And he's like, what things? <laughs> like what? I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Like we can, I, I want to hear about what your heart is, Josh, but like, you're going to have to give me some background. You're going to have to give me some context. Cause I honestly truly don't know what you're talking about. Like that's literally what goes through God's mind as we're talking, he and I are talking about, about the things I'm ashamed of in my past. Like he needs me to explain it because he doesn't know what I'm talking about because it's gone, you know? And communion is a reminder of that. So if you've got your elements, if you've got your wine or grape juice or orange juice or whatever it would be, let's, let's take communion together and, and remind ourselves. Thanks, man. Remind ourselves of what this is because... This is a special thing, and there's nothing inherently special about, you know, the drink or about the, the bread or the delicious homemade bun from the Peter Watt creativity, um, but what it represents and what it reminds us of is something that's so beautiful and something that's so special. So I'm just going to dip because that's, that's what I feel like doing. Really soak it. Thank you, Jesus. I took too big of a bite. This is going to take a second. <coughs> oh, crap. I spilled on myself. <laughs> I'll say this, I am not known, <coughs> I'm not known for my graceful endings for wrapping things up really, really well, um, but thankfully it's not my job to make sure that all this sinks in, it's the Holy Spirit's job, and uh, guys, this has been special, this has been a little bit unexpected for me, I was actually afraid I didn't have enough to share, and I actually left like half of it out, um, but this has been great. I've, I've, I feel nourished in my heart. I feel like we're all together. And I'm just so grateful and thankful for that. Um, what I would like to do though is, I don't know, um, I think Robin, I think you're the guy who's got the, who's in charge of the new life chat right now. And Robin, if you could just do me a favor and type something that says, you know, if you need prayer, then like this comment. And if you see that, just click the like button on there. Um, and as uh, you know, as elders, uh, we will we'll pray for you. Uh, we'll reach out to you, um, and we will lift you up before our Father. Because we may not be able to be together in person, but we're still together. And this is a hard time, and we don't have to go through it alone. Uh, the other thing I would I would love for people to do is if you haven't already. Um, you should definitely download the ebook, the Life in the Apartment ebook that you know, Pastor Ross put together. It's, uh, it's, it's a great, excellent, wonderful reminder of just the purity, the beauty of what our life with Christ can be like. And I think that the kind of the ideas that we kind of discussed today together are really kind of carried out further in that ebook. And so uh, if you are 
um, on the email list, you can go back through an old email. I think actually the email that was sent out this morning, uh, I think it actually might have a link to that in the uh, in there. And if you aren't on the email list, then I encourage you to go to the newlifekw.ca, sign up for that link, um, or sign up for that email list, and that a copy will actually be automatically uh, sent out to you. So, guys, this is great. I'm like so. I'm just, I don't know what word to use. Uh, you guys can throw whatever word you think I should say in the comments, uh, except for joy. You are not allowed to say anything because I don't take heckling as well as Ross does. Guys, I love you and I miss you. Um, and Barry, you know what's coming when I see you next, right? All right, guys, have a great day.